is Bucks Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the Bucks Nation podcast. I'm Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right on the heels of CU Arizona next week. Off a of bye week last week. Jared, how are you? I'm, I'm doing great, Tyler. Before we get jumping on to the game coming up this weekend, I want to take a moment here and <laughs> on behalf of, of all of our listeners, the Woos Media team, I'd like to wish you a happy birthday. Uh, Today, well, uh, Tyler is celebrating his uh, 30th birthday. Big 3-0, Tyler. Yeah. yeah. Now, thank you, Jared, for that. Uh, and hey. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah. You made it to 30. You still got your hair? I can't believe I'm still here. You don't got a beer gut. <laughs> Two things that I cannot say for myself. So, good job, Tyler. You're doing good in my book. Uh, thanks, buddy. All right. Well, look, you know the best thing that, you know, my the best birthday present would be a CU win. Wouldn't it be Of great? course, we'd love to bounce back, get our first, well, second win in the Pac-12 after a nice uh, bye week. When I say bounce back, I don't mean bounce back off a loss. I mean, bounce back off that time off, you know, week off. And just to reiterate how we wrapped things up last week, that week off was crucial for the buffs for so many reasons so we got a lot to get into the bye week arizona coming up next week uh, special thanks to the wise listing system team if you're in the market for a new house condo apartment check them out online paymyfirstmonth.com they will do just that pay your first month's mortgage if you choose to use them for your moving services online paymyfirstmonth.com tell the wise listing system team you heard about them right here on buffs nation all right, Jared, so a lot, of, lot to uh, go over, but let's start right there with the bye week last week. And as I said on last week's podcast, this was a very good time for this team. Not usually the case where you say, wow, week four, what was it, week five? Bye week, that's early. But for Mel Tucker, this team, that's exactly what they needed. They're they still getting to know, to know one another. You know, Mel, Mel Tucker came in and he was implementing things defensively. This offense looks brand new. This is the time, Jared to take a step back, reevaluate, see what's been working, which has been a lot, and see what hasn't been working so much. Great time for the bye week, in my opinion, for CU. And what you hope to see the buffs coming out is a team that, when you look back at the first four games, it's, it's really a team that hasn't yet put a full game together. I think Arizona State, this, this last game they had, was the closest they got there. We really hope to see the buffs come out and see that. The full game, start to finish, all the way around, well played. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. A good chance to kind of get back to the drawing board. I know they spent a few uh, few practices down at the lower practice fields where you're doing a little bit more uh, of the grinding work, a little more conditioning, getting back in there. So hopefully we see a re-energized team coming back out this week. Injuries, injuries, injuries. Boy, do you like bugs? You ever been around a lot of bugs in your life? I, I can't stand bugs, Tyler. I hate bugs. I hate bugs, and the worst bug I hate, my least favorite bug, is the injury bug. And right now, CU is dealing with the injury bug. So much. I mean, you talk, you start adding these guys up, Jared. I don't know. Are we going to be able to field the team this week? I think they might be giving you or me a call <laughs> to see if we can line up at cornerback this week. I don't know. Yeah, CU uh, injury injury list seemingly uh, never ending. And let's talk about some of those most some of the most important injuries. I mean, do you have the list in front of you? Right I now? do, yeah. And um, obviously, we talked quite a bit last week. Lavisca Chenault out. Uh, well, let me rephrase this. Basically, everyone on this list is quote unquote questionable. Uh, I, I, I'm not expecting to see a lot of these guys in uh, just based on what we're kind of hearing, but everyone is still listed as questionable. The only two guys definitively ruled out right now are Aaron Maddox and Jarek Broussard. We kind of knew about them coming in, uh, but Chris Miller. Uh, 
Delrick Abrams and the cornerback in the secondary, uh, Mike Mikhail Onu, Mustafa Johnson, Carson Wells. So those are all really all big names. All defensive guys. LaVisca Chenault's about the only one on the offensive side, but I think the defensive injuries are going to be key. I actually think LaVisca Chenault's probably the least factor of all of the guys missing right now. Did you print that off? I don't. Did you get that on USA Today? Uh, this is actually coming from uh, sportsreference.com. Okay. USA Today, I did confirm. But I'll this list is, the same thing. This is what's weird. Is I was on USA Today earlier today. We're recording this Monday afternoon or uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Monday, Monday afternoon. afternoon. God, it's been one of those weeks, Jared. <laughs> live betting for 20 hours this weekend. Um, this morning on USA Today, they had the full injury report. And now it's wiped off there. Interesting. So something's happened in the last couple hours with some major changes going on for CU. But you had the same list this morning. Yeah, so by the time you guys hear this Tuesday, you may see some developments coming out of, of, of Buff's camp there and what, you know, maybe the status more definitively of where these guys are listed. But the, the, the number's high. There's a lot of guys out. But, hey, it's not just CU. Arizona's dealing with a couple of big injuries as well. Two guys that missed last week for them, they're two biggest players on offense. Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor both missed this last game against UCLA. So it goes both ways. I don't think there's any excuse the Buffs can make saying, hey, we got all these guys on the, the injured list right now. Uh, Arizona's saying the same thing. I wish I had the CU list in front of me. Obviously, Arizona's injuries are huge. Uh, again, their quarterback, Khalil Tate, running back, J.J. Taylor. But let's talk about CU's offensive injuries. LaVisca Chenault right now hurt. We mentioned last week why LaVisca Chenault, what's going on with him? You know, what could be kind of happening? Was it more mental? Is he banged up? Is there something the coaching staff knows that we don't? I saw a very interesting article this week on 247sports.com, and it was about the NFL, not the symposium, but kind of everything for NCAA prospects where they go to this meeting and learn about getting an agent and learn how to handle themselves on and off the field, so on and so forth. And the main thing I took away from this story was that LaVisca Chenault was so starstruck. I mean, he sees Jake Fromm and, and, and Grant Delpit and Chase Young, and he goes literally, quote, this is a quote from the article, I was thinking, is this where I'm supposed to be? It kind of hit me right then. Somebody thinks I'm as good as these guys. If that hit him then, a few months ago, I think some of this is starting to make sense. That There are people who have said, hey, man, you're signing for a million plus dollars next year. Be careful. So just again, an article that I read on 247 Sports that kind of backs up this whole thing. And look, LaVisca is one of my favorite you know, players. He's a great buff. He's a great talent. They're calling him Julio Jones 2.0 of the NFL, right? They, the only caveat, he's bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a terrible just, thing, just right? Just as fast, right? But... It's not going to matter if he's never on the field for the Buffs. And that's going to be a huge factor for him. And and it's still interesting to me that, unless you've seen otherwise, Tyler, there I still see this listed as an undisclosed injury, that they're not... Uh, you know, not putting anything out there of what the injury is. And now that can be one of two things. You know, that could be a, a, a team, you know, he struggled with some injuries last year. Maybe they don't want to put that information out there for, for NFL teams and scouts to start to see, hey, is this a lingering issue? Is this something that maybe is going to be a concern long term? The flip side of it, it could be something that they're expecting him to play this week. They don't want to give any insight to the defense as, as to how you're going to stop a guy. You know, a, a speedy receiver has an ankle injury. You're probably playing him a little tighter. You know, he's not going to break by you uh, in coverage. So it's interesting to me that they still have not come out with what the injury is for LaVisca. So what offensive players can we expect back this week? I mean, is there any definitive 
list of, of guys expected back? You know, I'm not seeing, aside from Jarek Broussard, I don't see anyone listed from the offensive side still on okay, the injury report. Good. So it is just LaVisca Chanel. And I'll be honest, guys, I don't expect to see him play this week. That th- There's no direct indication coming out uh, uh, of the coaching staff or anything like that that says he's not going to play. But I think it's a situation where if there is a lingering issue here, Let's get him back 100%. I think you can lean on some of your other offensive guys. I think actually the strategy you're going into with this game is probably not to try to light up the scoreboard. I don't think that's the game they want to get into with Arizona. So you may see more of a run-focused approach anyway. So I'm much more concerned, Tyler, about the defensive injuries because I think particularly a guy like Mustafa Johnson is going to be key in shutting down a guy like Khalil Tate if he is, in fact, going to be playing in this game. List the defensive injuries one more time. One more time. We have from the defensive backfield, you have Delrick Abrams and Chris Miller, two starting cornerbacks. You also have Mikhail Onu and Aaron Maddox, your starting safeties. <laughs> oh, my God. That's our entire secondary. You have Carson Wells, one of your starting edge rushers, as well as Mustafa Johnson. On the, on the questionable wow. list, we may or may not see any of those guys on the field. And I think it's safe to say if we do see them playing, it will probably be in limited action. So injuries, certainly something to keep your eye on. We are recording this again on Monday, so as we move through the week, that will be one of the main factors to keep an eye on for the Buffs. Um, and we already mentioned the the injuries for Arizona. So two teams who aren't that healthy, but I, I, it's certainly imp- impacting the Buffs more. And I gotta say, advantage right now goes to Arizona in this situation. And the reason I say that is because of, you saw, uh, let me get the guy's name right if I can, Grant Gunnell, I believe is how it's pronounced, the, the freshman quarterback that stepped in for Cleo Tate last week. He looked good. He actually looked really good. Now, granted, that's going against a very weak UCLA team, and, and, uh, and you saw him perform well. But what's tough about this for CU is not knowing whether or not Cleo Tate's going to play. These are two polar opposites as far as the style right. of quarterback. So you essentially have to prepare for two different offenses. I think right now Arizona knows whether or not Cleo Tate's going to play, or at least very likely. But if they're smart, and I expect this, they're going to wait until game time yeah. to announce that. So CU has no ability to prepare for one way or the other. So I say advantage leans Arizona in this situation right now. Now, that being said, if Cleo Tate and J.J. Taylor end up not playing, that's obviously a huge blow for that Arizona offense and, and takes away a huge element of what they do. I mean, you're exactly right. Khalil Tate, the second leading rusher on the team, and uh, Grant Gannell has had uh, eight carries yeah. in the in pretty much two and a half or one and a half games he's played. So yeah, very different there. And, and look, I think that Khalil Tate is kind of the X factor here because remember a couple years ago when Khalil Tate came into the game when CU was not ready for him, he had a monster ma- ma- monster game. Now this year that CU's kind of more you know, prepared, they know what they're going to go up against. You're right. This throws another wrench in it that, well, are they going to go with a throwing quarterback or Khalil Tate more of a running quarterback? Does it change anything at all? that through the first couple of games, he had 80 pass attempts. That's a lot more compared to what we saw last few years, and his production's going up too. He's on pace right now for the best completion percentage of his entire career if you look year by year. So at least they are throwing a little bit more with Khalil Tate. So I think if you're the buffs, you know you're going to see some passing. Yeah, and I'm, I, I think, though, from a defensive game plan, uh, you know, I'll pick that poison. I'll let him, if Khalil Tate is going in as the starting quarterback in this game, I'll let... 
Khalil Tate try to beat me with his arm because that's a guy that, yes, he can make some big plays. He can make a lot of great throws with his arm. But this is still a guy that, going into this game, six touchdowns throwing on the air, four interceptions. He still makes a lot of mistakes. He's still a guy that is is most dangerous with his feet. And so I think if you, you can pick your poison, let's shut down that running game, force him to beat you with his arm. All right, so let's kind of get into this. The Wildcats are... Uh, let's see. Well, CU is fourteen and seven all time against Arizona, but CU has lost to Arizona six of their last seven matchups. So Arizona's had CU's number lately, including three straight in Folsom Field, and that does include the twenty seventeen matchup where Khalil Tate went crazy against the Buffs after Brandon Dawkins was uh, injured that game. So kind of a little bit of history there. CU three and one on the season. Arizona three and one on the season. Arizona won last week twenty. 20- to 17 without their quarterback, Khalil Tate, so they can win even when he doesn't play against a UCLA team that in the rankings, the FPI rankings are above the CU Buffs. Is that right? And mm-hmm. you know what? I, I called them a very weak team a few moments ago, and you know, I don't think that this is a great team. I think you put CU directly up against UCLA. I think they stomp them. But that being said, UCLA has competed in the last few games. They had a comeback win against Washington State that was impressive. So it certainly seems like a team in UCLA turning things around. So for Arizona with a freshman quarterback that kind of last minute found out he was going to be starting to go in and get a win in that game, I think it's fairly impressive. So we kind of touched on this earlier. What do the buffs stop? And again, Khalil Tate, the running quarterback, Grant Gannell, the passing quarterback. First of all, who would you rather see? Gannell or Tate? For me, there's no question. I'd rather see Gannell. I'd, I'd give me the, the true freshman, the guy that's not been on this stage before. Let me see if he can handle this moment. Uh, not to mention, I think it's always, always difficult to go against a true dual threat guy, a guy that can light it up both through the air and on the ground. That is very tough to defend. So I would much rather go against uh, Grant Gannell, attack him, get after him, force him to maybe make some plays with his legs, and see what he can do against Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. But here's the thing. is Arizona can find a way to be versatile on offense, not in running and passing, but in who they give the ball to. They're going to show you a lot of looks from the backfield. Arizona has six players with double-digit rushes and four players with over 23 rushes. And yes, Tate's one of those. The other three are running backs. But if you look at their production, they give it to a lot of different guys. And as a team, they're averaging six yards a carry so they're productive no matter who touches it. Jared, this is a team that they're going to find their yards. There's some teams where you pick your poison. Arizona seemingly is going to find their way to run the ball on, on offense. Absolutely, and I think that's kind of uh, goes to the, the, the bigger picture game plan and how you got to approach this game from a philosophical standpoint. You do not want to get in a game that is a shootout. That is what Arizona wants to do. They want to maximize possessions. They want to get up and down the field. So I think from a philosophical standpoint, you do what you can to slow this game down. And then defensively, exactly that. You have to pick your poison and, and kind of essentially say, hey, we're going to put, you know, if say your, your approach is, which I think if Cleo Tate's in, your approach is you shut down the run. I think you load the box up. You make sure he's not getting around the edge. Those guys aren't making big plays. What does that do, though? That puts your cornerbacks, your safeties, out on an island. They're probably in one-on-one coverage. You're saying to your cornerbacks, hey, you got to step up. Guys that are backups that are starting this week, potentially, are going to have to step up and make those plays. So you are putting yourself at risk, really, no matter how you attack this team. Looks like Arizona just as balanced at a wide receiver as they are in the backfield. 
88 receptions as a team, yet not one player with more than 16. But wide receivers are their primary target. Not a lot of passes going to running backs and tight ends. So if anything, that that narrows the focus on defense. I, I'm always concerned when teams throw out of the backfield, they're hitting their running backs. you got to watch the tight ends for the seam routes. No, Arizona's a spread them out team, and as long as you can play you know, matched up with those guys, seemingly... That should be a simple enough defensive game plan. You don't you don't expect too many other wrinkles from Arizona, do you? We haven't seen anything this. Their, t- their tight ends have one catch on the season. No, I think Kevin Sumlin is is fairly predictable as an offensive coordinator and a head coach as well as he calls the offensive play. So he's fairly predictable. I think you know what you're getting. I think we've seen it over the last few years. Where it may just be a little bit different is if if Cleo Tate's not in the game, you're you're obviously taking away a little bit of that zone read RPO game out of there, but. But you're, you're going to get the same thing. You're not going to see too many things change drastically. I think the receivers are still going to be the, the targeted passers. We saw that all last game from Graham Gannell. All right. So right now, if you read the local articles in Arizona, I love doing that. You get a feel for, for what's going on around the team. Right now, the narrative is, man, this defense is good. Right, Arizona's saying, hey, everyone, we had an awful defense last year. Yes, we gave up like 80 points for the first two games, but it's the defense that has allowed us to win these last few games. And I think that is completely false. I mean, if you look at th- this team as a defense, they are 127th out of 130 passing defense. If you look at defensive efficiency, let me pull it up here in just a second. Arizona defensive efficiency is 73rd in the country. This is not a good defense. And if the Buffs are going to have, I think, one element that they can go to time and time, it's that this is an overrated defense. They haven't seen an offense like the Buffs so far. I think the Buffs will have a little bit. And here's the thing. I was talking about the narrative in Arizona being this great defense. I just think that's wrong. And I think they're going to get kind of woken up this week. And I think it's a little bit deceiving. I think why why nationally and locally in, in, in Tucson, why they're saying that this defense is so great is they're getting saved a little bit with the turnovers. Right now, they're number one, tied for first in the country with nine interceptions on the year. And you know as well as I do, Tyler, how much that is typically fluky. Oftentimes, turnovers are things that fall right into your lap, right guy in the right spot. There isn't oftentimes a whole lot that goes into it. Now, there's certainly guys who make plays on the ball, but typically what you're going to see is that number even out through the course of a season. So, there's a team that's giving up a ton of yards. They're giving up a ton of points. And every now and then, they save themselves with an interception that gets them to win a game. But this is a team that gave up, what? Let me look back here. 41 points to Northern Arizona. I don't even know if that's an FBS it's team. It's not. It's not. Right? As so don't give fact, me this garbage. It's a great defense. I was looking up today. There's not one FBS school that starts with Northern. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's North. North Carolina is an FBS, but if you type in Northern, not one school pops up. Interesting. A little fun Interesting. fact of the day. Yeah, you get all your directional schools <laughs> in the FCS. Um, sorry to throw you off there. But look, you're right. This defense is, and that's what's funny, is you start reading those newspapers and those articles, and it's just like, and by the way, quick left turn here, Denver Post what do you do? I'm not paying money to read articles online for the Denver Post. What year is it? By the way, there are 95 other outlets to get my CU information these days. I don't need the Denver Post. The, the, the fact they now try and charge me 
this monthly what is it 99 cents it's like a it's like a uh, i'm not paying to read online newspaper articles in 2019 where information is abundant everywhere you go Denver Post, wake up. And, and they really just drive you nuts because they let you read the first third of the article before you get to it. And then it goes, oh, to finish this article, you must purchase it. Oh, man, why are you kidding me? It works, me. <laughs> I just can't stand it. Again, this is the era of free information, free content. Jared, there's a reason we put this. You know how many podcasts you have to pay to listen to? We made a decision. Us and Woos Media, do we want to be on a platform where there are no commercials, but people have to pay to listen? Or do we want to get advertisers on and have it be free to everyone? Free content is going to dominate. So look, it's, it's newspaper and radio, man. If It's 2019, folks. If you're getting into newspaper in 2019, I don't feel bad for you. That's kind of on you. If you're getting into radio in 2019, I don't feel bad for you. That's kind of on you. It's those industries, man. And they're, they're butting their heads against the wall and they're losing right now. And it, it just drives me up a wall that I can't read a CU Buffs article without paying money online. You know what? I'll go to one of the other 25 outlets and read another gr- some great Buffs info, whether it's buffzone.com, cubuffs.com, 247 Sports, Bleacher Report. There's plenty of places to go. You don't have to go to the Denver Post. And, and if you ask me, the best beat writers for the Buffs are not getting their information out through Denver Post. Post. They, right. they are going 100%. through some of these different outlets. Uh, Neil Welk from cbuff.com does a great job. Absolutely. There's a couple others as well. Anyway, that's my soapbox of the day. So, uh, But the Arizona newspapers and the Arizona local articles, they're just off their rocker. This defense is not as good as they think, and they're about to get woken up this week by a very, very good top 30, by the way, if you look at efficiency, CU offense. Uh, also, uh, Arizona's defense, only four sacks this season. So I don't think them getting after Montez is going to be an issue. And let's face it, that's when Montez struggles the most, when he gets happy feet in the pocket, starts rushing throws. When Montez can sit back and go through his progressions, even improvise, improvise a few plays, that's where that guy is in his comfort zone. So I don't see a whole lot that this defense is going to do to disrupt CU. I think the question mark is, can CU stop what Arizona's going to do? I see a pretty high-scoring game here. I'm hoping not. I think actually the best thing for the Buffs <laughs> is to not let it get that way because you don't want to be chasing points against this team. So I think this is the uh, you know t- prototypical exact matchup that Mel Tucker wants. He wants a team. CU is more physical than Arizona, and I think that's the key for this offense is be physical at the point of attack, establish a running game, and control that clock. We've seen the Buffs use the tempo in the last couple of games to their advantage. Utilize it the other direction this week. I want to see you slow that game down. Drag out some drives, four or five, six-minute drives. Get your defense some rest. Your beat-up defense that has a lot of holes in it right now, keep those guys fresh by keeping your offense on the field and Khalil Tate and the stars on their offense for Arizona on the sidelines. When you were looking at uh, Arizona's schedule, right, doing the prep for this, um, did it ever cross your mind, wow, they've played a horrible schedule so far, and that's what's leading to this 3-1 and record? Absolutely. Then look what you have coming up next as well for, for Arizona. They go after playing here against Buffs, you go a home game against Washington, then at USC and at Stanford. Those are huge games that I think a, a team in Arizona that might be getting a little bit of a big head may be looking forward to beyond the Buffs right well, now. That's a good point. Do you think they would look a week ahead? CU's 3-1. and one, It's in Boulder. I mean, I don't see this being a huge look-ahead spot, but I think that since they are hosting Top 15 Washington next week, it could be a, a potential look-ahead spot. My one thing I wanted to, to mention is that you look at the schedule so far, and Arizona's 3-1, and one, I think a lot of people out there who may be listening, who may be you know, Buffs fans, 
they'll say, yeah, they're, they're three and one, but they haven't played anybody. And I want to be careful saying that because when you look at the FPI rankings, I think that ESPN's FPI football power index does a great job of taking into, into account who you've played, trying to normalize different stats. It's tough when you have 130 teams to come up with one even way to measure each team, but they do their best. And I think it's the best tool we have today to where no matter who you've played, to matter, no matter you know what's happened, this is the truth serum. This is the end-all, be-all for rankings. FPI is very, very accurate. The, the, the three of the teams okay, that they've played so far, taking out the FCS school, three of the teams they've played so far, Arizona, they've played in FPI rankings, number 49, UCLA, number 60, Texas Tech, and number 65, Arizona. CU in the FPI is ranked 54, right in the middle of all those teams. So according to the Football Power Index, Arizona has already seen three teams right there in that same cluster of talent as the Buffs. So my question to you, do you think that the FPI is correct with all this or has CU been underperforming so far? That's why the Buffs are this low in these rankings. Does the data not match how good CU can be? I think right now, I think you'd be fooling yourself as a Buffs fan looking at what CU has done to say that they are really any better than that. I think right now they are kind of middle in the pack within the country. Out of 130 teams, CU ranked in the 50s. I can't really argue right now with what I've seen, the performance on the field from CU, that they're drastically better than some of these teams that they're Arizona has gone up against. So I think that's a really good point that you make that sometimes it's so easy to look at the names, Hawaii, you know, Texas Tech, UCLA, and these teams that are, are kind of, you know, has been, so to speak. And a team like CU, can we really separate ourselves as Buffs fans? Can you say that you are drastically better? And I don't know that you can argue that. So I think this is a good proving game for CU or for Arizona, one, one or the other, to prove, hey, we are distinctly better than the other team. Because right now on paper, they come in pretty equal special thanks to woos media if you own a business know anyone who owns a business and you want to increase your online presence check them out online woosmedia.com they are state-of-the-art anything you can think of whether it's showing on top showing up on top of google um, have you ever searched for anything on Google? You know, patio furniture, right? And then a week later, you're on ESPN scrolling through an article and there's an ad for patio furniture. Those are called display ads. They offer those as well. Best prices in the industry with the best results in the industry. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, get online, increase your digital image today. Online, woosmedia.com. Jared, Jared, Jared. All right, what do the Buffs have to do to clinch a win this weekend? First, let's talk special teams. I want I want to just, this has been on my mind for a few weeks. How good is Alex Kinney? When Alex Kinney came to be the punter for CU, I was very familiar because I covered him in high school. That's when I was doing radio in Northern Colorado. I called a couple of his games, by the way, in that same round, in that same year, maybe it was the year before that. I was calling games of Austin Eckler's. You know, we had a touchdown last night, yeah. uh, yesterday in uh, San Francisco. Or the you're practically LA a celebrity, game. celebrity, Tyler. It's pretty cool to watch these guys, even in Northern Colorado. How many NFL guys are from Northern Colorado? Um, you know, I, I uh, who's the name of the UNC quarterback who got the tryout with the Broncos? Sloter, Kyle Sloter. Kyle Sloter. I watched him play against. Uh, I called one of his games against like uh, who was it? M- uh, Missouri or one of those teams? Or uh, not Missouri? Uh, uh, the Grizzlies, Montana. 
It was like Montana, Montana State, something like that. I can't remember. They're all horrible schools. But yeah, I saw Slaughter play at college. I would have never thought he's an NFL quarterback. He looked pretty good. And then Austin Eckler, I mean, he was okay. He was pretty good. And next thing I know, he's getting drafted by the Chargers. So that was pretty cool too. But in in those rounds, I saw Alex Kinney kick at Fort Collins High School. I was I thought he was going to be like all American. You know, he came down here and it seems like he's just getting worse every year. It's it's interesting. I hadn't really thought a ton about that, but but you're right. I think some of his best uh, you know best performances came when he was you know freshman sophomore early in his career, and he's dealt with some injuries, and that can certainly impact a, a guy that you know has uh, you know one one task is using utilizing his leg uh, to you know to, to boom the ball, and so if you're dealing with injuries, nagging injuries, that can have an effect. But I do think Alex Kinney is, is a very good punter. I think he has a future in the NFL. NFL. Now, do I see him getting drafted or anything? No, certainly not. But I absolutely think he'll get a tryout, get an opportunity well, look, look, with the team. You know, I, I think it's needs to be said. I love the buffs, and I'm always going to give my buffs benefit of the doubt. But you just look at the stats, and he's been kicking at CU now for five years because the injury. He's been here for a while. His net yards per punt in five years has only increased one of the years, and that was from 2016 to 2017, 36 to 41 and a half. And I think, you know, you typically... And since then, since 2017, 41.5 to 40.9 to 40.5. So it's gradually dropping. And, and I can't say that I follow too closely on what the standard <laughs> for punters are. But I think you want to be more in that range, about 45, even towards the 50. I think NFL punters, you're seeing more of that. So certainly not not hitting the numbers that you would expect for coming from what we saw. I mean, we've seen him... Boom! Some punts. We know he has the legs. So right. could could it be some uh, you know situational punting? Well, you know what it could be in there. You What's know that? what it very well could be. He lost. The, he cut the mullet the off. Mullet, this year. The power of the mullet. That thing is gone. You never know what that mullet can do, man. Yeah. That's my Gundy over at Oklahoma State. It can be pretty powerful. <laughs> I don't know. It hasn't really worked for him yet. Well, let me tell you what though. Between Alex Kinney, who still one of the best punters in the Pac-12, to to evaluate Alex Kinney on his own standards says something. It's a compliment to say. Hey, is he kicking as well as he was? He's one of the best in the Pac-12. I want to put that out there. Also, James Stefano, very good year for the Buffs so far. Special teams has not been an issue. I mean, the last couple of years, and maybe that's what happens when you're, let's face it, like the Buffs have been in the past, so bad, is that every little mistake gets magnified. So when it's a bad punt or you miss a kick, oh, that kick may have clinched us the win. Now we're going to, right? Every little thing is magnified. So... You know, that, that that could be the case as well, but James Stefano doing great. But I, I think you could definitively say that you've seen less big plays in the negative for the special teams this year. There's been a couple of, of times, I think twice now we've seen uh, fumbles on punt returns or kick returns, but those are guys making big-time plays. I think you are seeing the benefit of putting guys like Katie Nixon, LaVisca Chenault back there because you are getting those big-time returns. You know, Stefano had the one extra point blocked, no, which, oh, dear right. Lord, that one drove me nuts. <laughs> but but aside from that, he has been very efficient. So I definitely think that you are seeing a better special teams unit. I think some of that comes from coaching. I think a lot of that just comes from putting that focus on special teams. It's so often it is the forgotten part of the game, but, you know, any good coach will tell you that. That is an equal third part of the game plan that you need to be prepared for, how you're going to handle your special team. So it seems like they're coming in with a better approach, putting themselves in better situations on the special teams. All right, I promise we're going to stop talking about special teams after this, after this breaking news update. Their kicker, Arizona's kicker, Lucas Havrasik, Havarisik, who cares? 12 of 20 in his entire career. This guy's awful. Jared, probably the worst kicker in the Pac-12. 
He was 6 of 11 last year, and this season, he's 3 of 5. This guy is no good, and it's not... I was. I know, deep dive on special teams today, right? If you look at his kicks under 39 yards and over 49 yards, no difference. He's 3 of 6 under 39, 50%. So you would think the further back you go, the worse it is. This dude's just a head case. Very bad kicker, one of the worst in the Pac-12. That's a huge positive for the Buffs if this ends up being a close game. All right, so let's talk about what the Buffs need to do to clinch the win this weekend. Jared, let me know what you think of my approach. I think again. They need to pass the football. And no Ari- way. You do not want to go against this team. Arizona, and try to- 127th out of 130 in defensive passing yards a game. CU is a top 30 passing team, especially in offensive efficiencies. If you narrow it down to, to passing alone, top 25. Uh, offensive efficiency team in terms of passing. CU will pick Arizona off at every opportunity, and I think that this is a real chance for Steven Montez to boost those stats against the 127th best passing defense. Jared, how are you going to tell me I'm wrong here? I'm not actually going to tell you you're wrong. I'm okay with them throwing the ball. What I don't want to see is a team trying to outscore Arizona. That is not the approach you want to have. You want to open up and throw the ball, fine. But get up there. We don't need this hurry up. We don't need to put... Think about what's your situation with your defense right now. That that has more to do with my thought process than anything. You are thin defensively, particularly on the back end of your defense. Don't put your guys in a situation where they're having to defend an extra 20 or 30 plays in this game. Slow it down. Control the tempo. You want to utilize some swing passes, some screen passes, taking advantage of your best skill position, fine. But I don't want to see this be a 60-59 to game. I don't think the buffs come out on top of that game. You know what's funny? I think every single show, I've said we need to pass the ball you say we need to run the ball. Every show. Uh, last, <laughs> last show I was finally on, was on, on board with okay. you. <laughs> I, hey, was I just stay true to Mel Tucker's philosophies, man. Uh, and your own. You're old school. I am old school. I do I do love uh, love watching the bus running We're the ball. So. Running the football and playing defense. That's how the Packers won it in Super Bowl One. Hey, look at the teams that have been the most successful in the Pac-12 over the last 10 years. That's what they do. Hey, I, I, I was the first to say it. I agree. Mel Tucker needs to bring that SEC mentality to the buffs, but I look at these defenses we're playing, and it's just like, sheesh. I mean, he's going to go up against. Let me put it this way: if you're if you're like a a basketball player, right? You like playing one on one, and you know that that other guy just can't make a three pointer to save his life, can't make a three pointer. Are you going to sit there and allow him to drive and get layups all game? Or are you going to just sit under the basket and let him chuck it? That's what this is to me. Arizona's so bad against the pass. I know CU wants to play a certain style, but at some point, you can't tie a hand behind your back. you got to give what the defense is, give, is, is giving you. And with all of the positivity, one thing I love is to go against the norm. And with so much positivity, everyone patting these Arizona State defenders on the back, articles being written about them, everyone in, 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 in Tucson right now, hey, look at this defense. They come to Boulder, they get tired because of the altitude. And uh, we end up finding a way to, to pick them off. And here's the thing. Let's now get to the defensive side, unless you have anything else nope, for the nope, Buffs offense. Good. On defense, I don't know, unless Arizona does find a way to really rush the football for six, seven, eight, eight yards of rush, that this is going to be that high scoring. Now, and again, this is what I love doing, is Jared and I don't talk about this at all before we sit down on, on Monday. This is all fresh, all new. And as you can hear live... I'm kind of talking myself off of all that scoring to a bit of a lower scoring game because Arizona is going to want to run the football. Khalil Tate or not, right? Even if it is Gunnell, their their backup, 
they're, they're going to want to establish a running game because he's a freshman on the road. And by the way, the only time Arizona's traveled the season, they lost. So I, I do see Arizona running the football a little bit more. We talked about CU's injuries. With Mustafa Johnson out, this defensive line becomes a key part of this game. And Carson Wells as well. I know he's not a, a true defensive lineman, but he plays that edge position, Good which point. is Good point. is huge in this type of offense. They like to run off tackle, off the edge. So somebody there, Carson Wells is a little bit thicker, bulkier guy than some of the other edge rushers that CU has. So for him to not be on the field would be huge as far as setting the edge in the running game. Yeah, his mom always used to say he's big bone, Jared. <laughs> yeah, my mom never told me that. I'm just <laughs> fat. <laughs> uh, in absence of Mustafa Johnson, I mean... Is there one name amongst these three that stands out, or are we going to have to have a collective effort? Terrence Lang, Jalen Sammy, Naeem Rodman, anyone specifically? I think here? Terrence Lang is the one, to me, that has to stand out. He's the guy, as, as little experience as he does have, he is the most experienced of the bunch. I think he's the one that's flashed the most early on in the season. So Mustafa Johnson is your playmaker on that defensive line. That's what the Buffs can't miss in this game. They need somebody in the interior to step up and make big plays, tackle for loss, sacks, doing something to disrupt what this offense is doing. you got to get in, there, in their face early on in the snap. You want to know one stat. If you look at the end of the game, the, the game's done, you go to the box score, one stat that you can look at that to me will tell if CU wins or loses this game. What was the average down and distance on third down for Arizona? If the Buffs can consistently force Arizona into third longs, predictable passing situations, I frankly don't care if it's Tate or Gunnell back there. They can't beat CU with consistent third and eights, third and nines. So that to me is the key. First and second down are so important for the Buffs. Don't allow Arizona to gain momentum on these drives and stifle them on the early downs. What do you think? I think we're on the same page there, Tyler. And what I put in my notes here is just keep that quarterback in check. I think, you know, it's it's a different approach depending on which the quarterback is that's in there. I think if you're going up against Cleo Tate, you do what you can to keep him in the pocket. Keeping your linebackers maybe in a zone there short so you keep him from running the ball. You know, make him beat you with his arm. Like you said, put him in a third and long and see if he can beat you on a third and eight, third and nine. And if you're going against a, a freshman quarterback, Grant Gannell, get after him. I want to see attack, attack, attack. What can he do outside of the pocket? Can he make those plays there? So getting after the quarterback, forcing them to make big plays in long down and distance. You got anything else we missed on your uh, preview? I think I'm just going to go a little bit cliche here and say you have to win the turnover battle. I really think when you look at what Arizona's done this year and why that, that perception is that this is a strong team right now is exactly that. Don't let them beat you. We, we've seen Steven Montez have issues with that in the past where he's forcing balls, he gets a little bit lazy with throws. You give up an early turnover in this game, that could put you behind the eight ball. And again, you start chasing points. You don't want to be there. On the flip side, if you can get an early turnover, that can force Arizona to get away from the game plan that you talked about, that they want to run the ball. If you can get up by 14, 21 points, it forces them to start attacking you through the air. So I think winning the turnover battle is going to be huge in this game. My realistic expectations are that CU, I don't want to say dominates this game because it's a close spread. Last time I did that, I got in trouble. <laughs> but I think that this is where we learn a lot about CU. And I frankly, I think we don't know that much about this season's Colorado Buffaloes quite yet. What we do know about Arizona 
is that they've proven that I think they're right there about average in the Pac-12. You know, Texas Tech, who they beat a few weeks ago, not a great Big 12 team. UCLA, who they beat last week, not a great Pac-12 team. But this is, you still need to win in college football. It's Division One. St. Intermural's brother. It's Division One football. You need to take care of business. And Arizona has done just that. I mean, I've heard CU fans say, hey, you're going to play who you're going to play. All you can ask is that you get the win. Well, that's all they've done in Arizona as well. Let's not forget they have the same record that we do. But I think that this is the game where you learn a little bit more about each team. I think the narrative coming out about Arizona after this game, maybe they were a little worse than a lot of people thought. You know, Maybe they still have a ways to go, especially if Tate doesn't play. And I think the Buffs get a huge nod, especially on the defensive side this game. I think they stifle Arizona's running game and force the Wildcats into a lot of difficult situations. And I believe that Colorado is intrinsically a probably about a touchdown better than Arizona. And that would mean, and that's rough. I don't have any power rankings in front of me. But if they're a touchdown better, little equation real quick, three points for home field, that would mean this line should be around 10. I think that's probably what the line should be. So I like the buffs here. I think the buffs win 35-21. Okay, somewhere around there, about 14 points. And I think that we are very pleased with this effort. We get a team effort. We shut down an overrated Arizona team. And I think the Buffs should take care of business. So that that's my realistic expectation for this game. I don't think I'm going in with too high a bar for the Buffs. They should comfortably win this game. Just to throw it out there for everyone, the early line, uh, the spread on this game is a three-point CU. Uh, Impl- implying is, uh, yeah. that these are even teams, even teams. dead even. And, I don't and, buy that. And I'm going to say, Tyler, I'm closer to thinking that way than you are. I, I really look at this as, from a matchup standpoint, two teams that kind of want to do different things. And so I think whichever team is able to enforce their will and their style of play more than the other, I think is who's going to win this game. I actually see this a very close back and forth game. I think CU... Uh, does well offensively. I think they they you see a more well-rounded team than what we've seen so far to start this year. I think defensively, you're going to see some struggles. I think CU has struggled so far this year going against speedy guys on the edge, making plays. That's, that's I true. think that continues. I have to go into this game assuming Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor are on the field. And so I think that's going to cause some, some issues for the Buffs. So I think you see a game that goes into halftime very close. CU has done a very good job making the adjustments coming out, and I think that will be the difference in this game. I think you'll see them tighten up on a few things that are causing them some issues. I have the Buffs winning this very close, just barely covering that spread. I have a winning 31 to 27 in this game. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. You think it's going to be a little closer than I do, but I think those buffs prove this week they're a little better than everyone thinks. So. And then if they can get this win in this game, they will take the lead in the Pac-12 South. Good stuff. All right. Let's go buffs. Get a big win this week. We'll talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation podcast.